Welcome everyone to another episode of the Scared Stiff Horror Podcast. I am your host, Doug Pomatello, writer and director of the upcoming horror film, Halloween Candy. For those of you new to the show, the podcast features discussions with a variety of people working in the horror genre, from writers, directors, makeup artists, costume designers, among many others. The podcast is about horror fans who are working in the industry, discussing the genre that we love. Today's interview is with Kyle Kukta, a fellow filmmaker from here in Connecticut. Kyle has been busy making narrative films and documentaries, primarily in the horror genre. In our interview, we talk about what got Kyle into the horror genre and what led him into a career in filmmaking. We also discuss some exciting projects that he's working on that you can all watch very soon. So without further ado, here is our interview with Kyle Kukta. We are here with Kyle Kukta, a filmmaker here from New London, Connecticut. Welcome to the Scared Stiff Horror Podcast, Kyle. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. Appreciate it. It's great having another filmmaker here from the Nutmeg State. Yes, we need more. Or also, wait, less. Let us be the ones from, from the Nutmeg State. <laughs> um, no, it's it's so fun being um, being a Connecticut filmmaker. I feel like there's so much here that's underutilized or not utilized at all so it's fun to be trying to explore more of this area and 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 make it make it happen here yeah it's starting to become a hotbed i in the last two I weeks so. i've saw in the theaters two horror films that were shot here in connecticut yes yeah it's it's really it's uh i mean you know people say new england right and massachusetts comes to mind and maybe you know maybe vermont and hampshire sometimes in obviously stephen king country up in maine but like connecticut just gets left out of the the equation and i think that we have so much here uh so i'm 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 happy and, and horror wise especially horror wise right. especially we have a lot here so um yeah. so it's cool I'm, I'm very i'm very glad to be talking with another horror filmmaker here uh a filmmaker any just period but horror is obviously our our bread and butter a lot of times. So that's where it's at. Yeah. We have a lot of TV here in Connecticut, but slowly and surely we're getting more films that are being made. I just yeah. watched a sneak preview of Candlewood. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about Candlewood actually. Um I saw I keep seeing it on on social media. The um they had did they have the premiere already or they're gearing up for the premiere? Yeah, um, there was a couple sneak preview shows. Um last yeah. weekend I saw up and actually in New Milford. It was Milford. cool. Like some yeah. of the movie was filmed the theater I watched it in was actually in the movie, which was kind of cool. Mm, that's really cool. I'm on the other side of the state. I'm I'm on the Rhode Island border, so uh, it's though. I mean, I I talk about it like it's such a hike to get anywhere, right? It's not. I mean, it's not in the grand scheme of things for people who aren't from the state who are listening. I'll I'll tell you, it's an hour and a half. But an hour and a half in Connecticut is the length of the state. So for me, for me, getting from the Rhode Island border to sort of the New York side of Connecticut, it feels like a hike. Um, you know, but it, I want to, I want to make my way over there more. There seems to be a lot of stuff going on in that area of the state. Well, actually by you, it's not really a horror movie, but Hocus Pocus 2, wasn't that filmed by you up near New London? Yeah, it was, it was most, it was a lot of, if I remember correctly, it was a lot of Rhode Island. And then, yeah, there was like, sort of like the, maybe like the Killingly, it was like Worcester, Rhode Island, and like that top North east corner of connecticut there's a lot going on there and there's um because because worcester itself worcester massachusetts has quite a bit going on too um so like there's a lot of sort of cross over the border and you can get into some more work and vice versa um you know i i just worked with a uh, a filmmaker who was originally from killingly who who moved out to la came back to shoot his proof of concept short here so we got to work kind of on his old stomping grounds which was fun um there is there's a lot more interest in trying to do stuff here in the state um and that's why that's why i came back that's why i'm sort of planted here um you know i want to i want to do more things in this area yeah founders day is another one it's currently in the theaters that yeah. was filmed also new milford yeah yeah the bloomquist uh uh brothers i remember seeing their short she came from the woods. I think we our documentary played on the same bill as their short or not the same bill, the same festival as their short at some point in time. And uh, 
And then they turn that short into a feature for Tubi uh, or that's on Tubi and they're doing great stuff. I love that they're still in the area. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy to probably move out <laughs> and move away, but I love that they're still here, that they have roots here, that they want to keep making stuff here. Uh, it's really exciting for, for people like us, uh, you know, who want to keep working and keep bringing, you know, keep making things here in this area, shorts, features, whatever. I, I watched Founders Day. I was actually down in Tampa recently. And so I watched a movie that was filmed in my home state down in Florida. In Florida. So, That's I, rad. <laughs> so I was like, you know, no one else there had any connections to anyone in the movie. So I'm mm -hmm. like sitting there during the ending credits with a big smile on my face. I'm like, oh, I know Charles. I know this person. It was so yeah. exciting. Everyone was like, what an idiot. Why is he so excited about the ending credits? But, yeah, they, they all scoot down a row. They're like, I get away from this giggly dude. Down yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we got to support our, our fellow Connecticut filmmakers here. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, a, it's a growing community. Yeah, yeah. It sure is. Yeah. So talk about what got you into filmmaking. Yeah, I, um, I, this is gonna sound so corny, but I was always sort of a storyteller in some capacity. Um, and a lot of it, I mean, it's still horror and my filmmaking interests go hand in hand. What had first started it for me was we would, my grandparents and I would host a haunted yard. So instead of a haunted house or whatever, we would, we would decorate our yard to be little vignettes of, of horror type things. But it was all for, uh, this is when I was like four, five, six years old, right? So it was all little displays that would be family friendly or kid appropriate, right? Of course, I mean, kids that young, they could be scared at anything, but it was not meant to be like jump out scary haunted maze right it was supposed to be just like walk through at your leisure there's some skeletons over here there's frankenstein's lab like you know the mummy's tomb is really really fun stuff like that that my grandparents helped me out with and we did it every year we did it for like six years of my like elementary school life right it was it was a blast coupling that with watching i think it was called movie magic on discovery channel it was like a behind the scenes 30 minute show that you like showed. I think there was like two to three segments each episode, just showing a particular section of a movie. You know, like I remember seeing a, it was a Terminator stunt coupled with like uh, a segment about Harryhausen or a segment about like, this is what it takes to set a person on fire. Right. Like it was just like, right. it was true movie magic segment. So like to me, those things always walked hand in hand flash forward to like being a young adult and by young, oh, being a teenager, <laughs> what I thought was a young adult, but being a teenager and then seeing George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Right. So then that to me is the horror track coupled with the you can do this on your own dime track, like true independent filmmaking, low budget filmmaking. Like you can do this. You can tell these stories in this capacity. It was sort of the the intersection for me of what it could be like to be a filmmaker. Um, and horror is such fertile soil uh, that it was, they always go hand in hand to me. I could be watching people, <laughs> the listeners can't see this, but we're doing this on a, like a video and audio uh, recording. And behind me is a, is an image from toxic Avenger part two. It doesn't, it's not a great movie. It's actually really, it's, it's pretty bad, but anybody who knows trauma or Lloyd Kaufman, like there is, there is some, there is stuff that you can take away from watching even a movie that bad <laughs> uh, or even, a you know, even these things that, you know, people, but, but horror is what I'm getting at is horror is really fertile soil to explore to learn and then also to capitalize and tell a really effective story. So I always thought that that genre in particular um, is, is interesting is, is the place where you can grow as a creative, but also have a lot of fun. So I'm with you. I was the same way. So I always found that like, we don't pick horror movies. Horror movies mm -hmm. pick us mm -hmm. from a young age. I had to been three or four. I, mean, I remember me and my sister, we, we watched um, Tales from the Dark Side, the yeah. one when the guy 
Mr. Hackle scares all the kids that come to his house. Yeah. And so at like four years old, me and my sister would take take turns like making booby traps in the house to try to scare each other. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't taught to us. That's just what we gravitated towards. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and I can't explain it. People ask me, why do you watch horror movies? I honestly, I've read like essays why we like horror movies. I don't always felt that applied to me, but it's just something about it. It's like yeah. intangible that I cannot tell you why I love horror movies. Yeah. Just do. <laughs> no, I think that's exactly it. I think that like we, there's, there is, I'm sure a much more in-depth way to explain it, but then like, I can't explain why I wanted to watch Toxie too. I can't explain it. Like there's no, right. you know, I, I, I briefly tried to here and now, but I don't know if I would double down on that. I don't know if I could, you know, tell people, tell a stranger uh, that that's why I did that. Uh, I don't know if I could fully explain my appreciation for, for the genre. I think sometimes yeah. I can, but then there's like, you know, uh, exceptions to the rule and then you get an exception to the exception. And then beyond that, all I can say is that I really enjoy it. And that's maybe the magic of it. There is no formula why we like these movies. Yeah. That intangible that horror movies have that you either you get it or you don't. Yes, absolutely. Me and you, Kyle, we get it. We we, we have an idea. We have an idea about it. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so how old were you when you decided i want to be a filmmaker but what was that that what was the setup for that you know it's it was for me it was it was high school uh there was there was the interest in horror there was the interest in art there was but not really i don't think that i had the wherewithal or the resources to really know how to, how to follow that. Um, but in high school, there was a, there's a digital filmmaking class and a like, t- you know, like a TV morning show class. Um, that as soon as I could, you had to be a junior in high school. As soon as I could, uh, I took those classes and I took them simultaneously. So, um, you know, I was every other morning we were creating, segments for a morning show and then also my um it's not called an extracurricular i don't remember what it's called now but it's like not a required course um the name escapes me because i haven't been in school an an elective an elective thank you as a high school elective um high school elective of digital filmmaking so I, i was doing those uh in school and then here in connecticut there was a group of there was like a filmmaking chapter called southeastern connecticut filmmakers um that existed and they were shooting small projects on mini dv they were just making it work right like they were kind of workshopping short scripts or taking something that somebody had and everybody was volunteering and um they just they you know for me as a as a high schooler like any capacity to do that stuff outside of a class was exciting. You know, like that to me was like, oh, I'm getting a chance to to do it lot, like to do it in act in action. Right. Because going to school. Both in high school and, you know, I went to I went to Syracuse University um, College of Visual and Performing Arts for film. But that's what I always say it's it's, called, it's bowling with the bumpers on like you're never going to be in a position to truly really fail unless you decide to throw the ball over the bumpers and into the other lane. Like that's the only way that you, you can really stumble at that. So I, I always felt safe in those classes or in my program at Syracuse, but it the, the thing that excited me most was being able to get onto a project outside of that. Um, and that's what solidified it for me. Like as soon as I could do that, as soon as it wasn't like homework or as excited. I mean, I loved doing it. I loved doing these projects at in high school and in college. But as soon as it wasn't a thing that I was opting into, it was more of like a thing that I got brought into and there was some responsibility and like I could kind of like step into it. Um, that's where it got exciting for me. So you graduated in Syracuse in 2013. And what were the next steps you took as you, you know, went to the business professionally? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, 
I had, and if anybody is in film school and can do this, I highly recommend it is like to take your senior thesis out into the world in a much bigger capacity. Like don't just make it your final project. Um, you know, I think a lot of people in our industry are like, you don't need film school. I think a lot of people really don't need film school. For me, I did. I needed a track to like practice and learn and do the thing and then capitalize on it. So I took um, I had made a documentary called Phantasm with an F um, and it was about horror conventions uh, throughout the US and sort of like why people love horror conventions. And this was filmed in 2012 and 2013. So it was at like the peak of Walking Dead. Horror conventions were just getting a huge, uh, a much bigger following due to the success of Walking Dead. Um, and, uh, you know, the the final project for Syracuse was like a 20 minute or less short, but I had crowdfunded a little bit. I had interest in people that were outside of my university setting who were thinking like, hey, you could make this into a feature. Like you could make this into a much larger project. And I did. So on the tales of my senior thesis, I took that documentary out into the world. And um, I <laughs> that summer that I graduated, I got married. And then a week later, we moved to Los Angeles because my wife was going to start a, a grad school program in Pasadena. And I had just graduated a film program. So I was like, LA in it? Like, here we go. <laughs> you know, like we were both very gung ho uh, and excited about it. So your first professional project actually started as a senior project in college. It did. It, it did. I mean, I, it was it was it was doing a lot of the roles myself. I mean, I there was only one convention that I took another person out with me on to film on the camera. And it's, you know, I, I from that I learned that I am not a technical person or a D I'm not a DP. <laughs> I am not a sound person, but I did it out of necessity, right? Like, so that documentary is very DIY, but there's also an appreciation if the, if the story is told well, and if the content is of interest and you can, t yeah, tell a captivating story and not to say that the doc is captivating, but like there's, there's interest in it. If you put yourself into it, or if you put your heart into it and we did and I did. Uh, so like I felt very strongly and very proud of that project, even in the face of some of the technical hiccups that it has. Right. So I took that out into the world um, and it led me to working with one of my filmmaking partners, Bill Fulkerson, who he and I did uh, another documentary after that. So, yeah, I I, I had taken that project out. Um, as like proof that I can do something here, you know, I can, I can do something, you know? Um, so I, I took that out with me to LA. We did, um, you know, we did a couple festivals, mostly conventions, actually, mostly conventions played that doc. If there was a convention that had a film portion, they would play that doc. And then, um, and then, yeah, I, I, I did a little premiere at this cafe that I worked at called Jump Cut Cafe, which was very horror centric in Studio City, uh, California. I was a I was the worst barista that they could have hired, but they hired me anyway, which was very nice of them. Um, <laughs> but they let me do the premiere there. And uh, and yeah, that was the that was sort of my that was my first project, really. They wanted to get you out from behind the bar. Like, hey, have them host a film festival. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. like show, just show your film, Kyle. We'll get the other guys to make uh, decaf lattes for the people who are staying here. <laughs> get out from there. Um. <laughs> yeah. Just the other day, I was putting on Tubi, and I wanted mm -hmm. to see what documentaries were out there. And I put on Survival of the Film Freaks, and lo and behold, directed by... Kyle cooked. I was like, oh, that's a coincidence because I, I know we, we had scheduled for you to come on and it's complete coincidence. I was like, wow, oh, how shit. about that? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Survival of the Film Freeze is up on Tubi. Um, oh, thanks for checking it out. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. We had a good time with that one. Yeah. You had a, a ton of interviews on that one. A lot of interviews on that one. Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Bill Fulkerson, um, my partner, he hosts a podcast called Outside the Cinema, and they had been they've been podcasting 
oh my god maybe i want to say like 15 years now they should be dead in podcasting years uh, which is my always go-to joke until i forget how many years that they actually have been podcasting but um but bill you know was in phantasm as an interviewee and he really wanted to do some sort of culmination of all the cult cinema knowledge and thoughts and interests that he had and so he reached out and was like would you want to you know work on this project together and it really i mean it snowballed i mean um we do we have some we have some we have friends in that documentary and then we also have you know uh, at least in the cult cinema world you know names like ted ramey and joe bob briggs and actually ted ramey was our very first interview and joe bob briggs was our very last interview Ted Ramey kind of being our first interview was very nerve wracking. It was like, we were like, I really hope this project, be, you know, cause there's always that hang up. It's like, what if this project doesn't amount to anything, right? Like what if we are just starting and especially with a documentary, like you just like, you could just keep going and going. Right. Right. You just never, never know. But Ted Ramey was our first uh, interview. Joe Bob Briggs was our last. And it was a really cool way to bookend this whole journey through cult cinema um, that we decided to take. And that's a, you know, that is an ever changing term an ever changing idea of cult, you know? Um, so it was cool that we had our little like section of like, this is a moment in time. This is what we've reached. And like survival of the film freaks gets to speak to that. Yeah. You've also done a, a galaxy quest documentary. <laughs> I was, I I'm so glad that exists. Oh my God. Never surrender. It was a great movie that I swear that a lot of people never heard of it. You know, it was yes. what, from 99. It was it, a great cast. It was a fun movie. And I'm so glad this documentary exists. Yeah. Never surrender. Um, which I can't remember if it's streaming or not. Um, I do know that they just released a special edition, um, Blu-ray of it. Um, yes. Jack Bennett, uh, uh, amazing friend, amazing filmmaker. Um, I got to, he was my first, you know, I, on the heels of Phantasm, who I, I had interviewed him for the doc. Again, it was one of those things where it's like, I moved to LA. He was LA based. We got to work together on a show for Nerdist called Blood and Guts. He was a director. Scott Ian from Anthrax is the host. And I got to assistant direct uh, a handful of those episodes. Um, he brought me on for an anthrax video, uh, which was very cool. And then never surrender is this, you know, I was the assistant director for most of it. I, I, I couldn't go to New York to do those interviews. Um, but I did a lot of all the LA based interviews. Um, I was the assistant director on and, um, man, we had a blast. That documentary is while, you know, things happen and it's not necessarily Jack's cut at the end of the day it is still a, a really fun concept because that movie deserves a lot more love than it gets. Uh, you know, that movie is really, really smart. It is an all-star cast. Um, it knows exactly what it is. And I think that it was just really victim to a lot of marketing uh, issues and not knowing what it is. Uh, but it's, I love that movie so much. Galaxy Quest is a trip. Yeah, tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I haven't thought about that in a while. I mean, I know they just put out this Blu-ray and Jack and I were reminiscing a little bit, but um, that was so, this felt so insular, right? I kind of forget that people can, people know that it exists. Yeah, yeah it's out there. <laughs> yeah. And you're working on another documentary. Is it Don't Forget to Leave? Yeah, Don't Forget to Leave. So I teamed back up with um, with Bill Fulkerson. Um, and this one, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, horror or film centric it's actually about a um a musician named tim landers who was the songwriter and guitarist for a punk band called transit which is based out of based out of massachusetts but had had a lot of popularity throughout the punk scene sort of like the you know the warp tour scene early 2010s um would be kind of their realm right and bill had grown close to tim uh throughout their time they actually bill and tim were in a band like when tim was like 13 years old right tim was a, a really amazing musician who was just out there trying to make music um 
So all that to say, Bill was going to make a documentary about Tim Landers because Tim was in recovery for uh, an opioid addiction and he was just getting back into music. He was being much more open about his issues. You know, he had spent years and years trying to hide things, you know, bands breaking up, relationships falling apart. You know, he had really been through it and Bill wanted to talk about his road to recovery, his, you know, resurgence in music, uh, what it takes to sort of be honest about your addiction. And, and, you know, he had been nine months sober. And then, you know, the days before Bill and him were going to start this project, Tim relapsed, and he overdosed, and he passed away. Um, It it was devastating for a lot of people. Uh, Bill, obviously, you know, was 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 very devastated. But the filmmaker and the creatives that we are, it's that you also want to honor that person. That's the whole point of what the original project was supposed to be was to put on uh, not put on a pedestal, but really present truth in these struggles. Right. So the best way he thought he could honor that was to continue on with the documentary to continue to tell Tim's story. And I agreed. I was like, yes, absolutely. So I came on as a producer. Um, I never knew Tim. So it was like taking Bill, who had such a close personal relationship with Tim, and then bringing in somebody who doesn't necessarily have that close of a relationship. You want to, it felt like a match made like in heaven because you are able to then hopefully create a project that is not uber personal like it's not like so personal that you alienate an audience and then also not like so it can't be disingenuous right like it can't be you know telling this person's story and having no heart right so it's like we brought these two backgrounds together in our own worlds and now we i mean it it was it was almost five years that it took us to make this documentary um the pandemic hit obstacles tech like technically we're so we're very DIY. It's just, you know, I, I had a son, <laughs> like I had a child at some point, you know, like right. all these life things get in the way. And finally, we just finished it. And we did a little friends and family premiere in Beverly, Massachusetts at the Bridge Nine Records Warehouse. They have a small event space. And um, it was very powerful. It was very moving. Yes. I felt like we, you know, there's all these nerves. And when you get into a project, you don't know how long it's going to take. And all these things get built up. And um, and we were able to present something that really felt like we honored Tim, that we felt like we honored the people who were speaking of Tim. You know, that's the other aspect of this is like you're dealing with other people's stories, too, and other people's relationships and uh, their history and past with a person who might have hurt them or um you know, uh, done them wrong. And, you know, you want to be sensitive to that. Um, I edited it. So that was the biggest, like, I didn't realize how scared I was going to be until I'm sitting in a room with, uh, all of these, like half of these interviewees and Tim's dad. And I'm sitting there just really, really hoping that we did the right thing, feeling in my heart of hearts that we did, but hoping that it translates. Right. Um, cause intentions are not always necessarily how things come out. You know, you, you hope that that's the case, but things always, things can always get lost in translation. And luckily I think we translated this appropriately. So that's, yeah. that's the big one. That's going to be coming out this year. It's going to, we're going to do a small festival run. We're going to do some screenings local to new England. Uh, you know, he's Massachusetts based. So probably up, um, up in Massachusetts, maybe a couple down here in Connecticut, um, We'll see, but it's a full, it's a full feature doc, um, that has, that's, it's heavy. It's certainly the heaviest thing that I've done, uh, outside, like, you know, even beyond our horror stuff, it's, it is heavy. Um, yes. When we're doing documentary, sometimes the final product could be completely different than when you went to, going into it. Yeah. It's one of the most memorable documentaries. They look at, um, like the tiger King, what, yeah. that, what that was supposed to be versus what it ended up being. Yes. And yeah. There was, yeah, just a whole different story. And then did you watch the sequel to Bigger, Better, and Stronger? No, no, I didn't. So they made a sequel about they the, did about and they said like the true the true dangerous drugs were the over the counter medications. 
And the brother actually died in the middle of the documentary. Is that right? Yeah. So it, it showed you that like, and he claimed that he was sober, but clearly he wasn't because he actually overdosed in the making yeah. of the documentary. So sometimes you just never know what you're going to get when you're making a documentary. No, I think a lot of things, you know, a lot of things reveal themselves. Um, you know, this, this one, I think a lot of things revealed itself in, in people's grief. I think, um, you know, it's kind of particularly those people who had known Tim or worked with Tim prior to slash in the midst of like his heart, you know, the hardest parts of his addiction. It was cathartic in a way to be able to talk about this and share this and still honor and love the person that you knew while also being like some serious shit happened. Excuse me. Some serious stuff happened that I don't, you know, I don't know how to deal with and I don't necessarily want other people to have to deal with you know it's like it it, it it was really beautiful all these people coming together to be vulnerable to honor Tim to share their stories and to allow us and bless us with the capabilities to continue to share his story because everybody has I think almost everybody has had or currently has somebody in their lives dealing with this addiction I don't think that it's just you know, because he was in a punk band and, you know, this these things happen. I think, you know, we hear about the opioid addiction and epidemic all the time. Um, so it's both a, a testament to Tim Landers, but then also, um, you know, a a spotlight on uh, on an addiction that affects a lot of people in this world. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people assume that the more celebrities are hooked on it because, those are the ones you hear about. You don't hear about the lady down the street that died of opioids. You hear about the celebrities or the athletes right. or the famous people. So right, right, a hundred percent. And and Tim is like you know Tim is that person who sure he had some fame and some stuff and some niche you know worlds and then in the music world and I shouldn't say niche. It, it really was. I mean he was he was in a band that was very popular and very meaningful to a lot of people. But in the on the other end of the spectrum, it's like. He's a New England boy who, you know, in the darkest, hardest parts, went back home and, you know, is 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 just like your neighbor, is just like your friend, is just like the cashier that you see every week at the grocery store. Like, you know, it doesn't it's it, it's a um, it does not discriminate that drug and that addiction, any addiction. But but the opioid addiction primarily just does not discriminate. It does not. So yeah. it's yeah, that's that's uh, that's the most recent thing that we've been working on, or at least that will um, document in the documentary world. When do you expect people to be able to see this? Uh, I, I I'm going to say uh, I'm going to hope by fall of 2024, you know, we're going to do a small festival run. Um, we're kind of talking to some, you know, it, it's an interesting documentary that has different ways that it can be distributed um you know working with the record labels or maybe reaching out to the record labels and seeing if they want to work with something on this you know um but then also just going about our our normal festival run we've had a lot of great relationships with some festivals who are interested in it um going from there and uh you know it it is still a very independent documentary so it's just a matter of uh I, I would hope by fall, uh, Bill is, Bill is very adamant. I am very excited now that we've had the screening, <laughs> you know, so we're eager to get it out in, in front of people's eyes. Um, yeah, don't quote sounds... me on it, but you can quote me on it. <laughs> no, that sounds fascinating. I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to look out for that one. Thanks Doug. For sure. Yeah. And to change topics on another genre, you've yeah. recently done, uh, your first comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, the documentary world, as we talked about a lot, I mean, it's very close to me, but uh, but truly what I, I aim to do is doing more narrative stuff. So and I think, Doug, you and I share this a lot, you know, uh, and we know that the horror genre is very versatile. You can bring a lot of things into it, uh, a lot of other genres or moments or anything like that. Horror always has space to hold those things. Right. So, uh, comedy is, is also that I think that, you know, obviously you can have a straight comedy the same way that you have a straight horror, but comedy also allows for this versatility, um, 
to do more. So I was, I was, I shouldn't say I was approached. He's my roommate from Syracuse, really. Uh, uh, one of my best friends, Evan Fonseca. He's a very talented writer. And he finally had a project that we could do together. It was inevitable. Eventually it was going to happen. But like we finally had a project that we could do together. And um, he had wrote, he had written this proof of concept slash standalone short that was multifaceted. It had a, it's called always on and it has a through line of a, a very sort of normal, typical guy gets broken up with and he has to deal with it in the real world. But then it's these vignettes are woven in of daydreams or of visions that are completely different, both visually and tonally than the um, than the reality. So I got to play a lot with genre, with technical styles of storytelling, with and all of this is, is written in Evan's script. So it's like to be the director sort of behind that and to be able to play so much in that sandbox. Um, was very fun. So like, you know, we, we, we shot in July and August of 2023 and we just shot the last two segments in January of 2024. One of those segments is shot on an old Ikegami, uh, like broadcast tube camera, like to make it look like a, you know, an as seen nice. on TV S commercial, you know, it's, we just had so much fun. And the script was amazing. The actors that we brought on were a blast uh, and they were equally excited to play in this world. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. That is being edited right now uh, as we speak. Um, and so then we'll be, then we'll be bringing that out to some markets um, and some festivals in spring, summer, and then leading into and leading into the fall and winter. We'll do some, we'll do kind of the same thing, you know, very community oriented. We'll do some friends and family screenings, some stuff in the area, and then bring it out into the world. Sometimes it's nice to change genres. I, I like you, a few years ago, after 70 or so horror films, I did my first comedy. Is that right? Pretty, <laughs> it was pretty cathartic. Yeah. You know, like so many times you're so tempted, like as you're on set and everything's serious, you're like, wouldn't it be funny though if this happened? But then it's like, I can't do that. It's going to completely ruin the integrity of the movie. So it was really yeah. nice to be able to write something with your main objective is to get a laugh. That for me, mm -hmm. that was cathartic. It was fun. It was a nice, a fresh pace. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that's so true, though. You like when you're in these moments, um, when you're really trying to tell something of dread or a, of, you know, a fright or whatever that, you know, that uh, I don't want to say more negative emotion, but true, like, you know, scarier emotion. Sometimes in order to cope with that or to get through you trying to craft that you make a joke, right? Like you may and, and I'm the same way. Doug. It's like you just want to like you just want to tell somebody and you just want to make them laugh and you just want to like do the thing, but it'll totally undermine everything that you're doing. Right. Even if you just, even if you just speak it into the ether, because then everybody's only thinking about that joke. <laughs> and now everybody's only thinking about how funny it would be if, uh, <laughs> if somebody like walked into the room, right? Like it's some, something, something yeah. silly like that, but uh, that's cool. No comedy is great. What about the killer trip down the stairs, you know? <laughs> yes just let them right. fall it'd be funny but it'd be hysterical just let them fall it'll be great um no no shifting into comedy has been was really was really really fun um you know and and um you know i got to work with a lot of people that i was close with a lot of new folks um it was a great it it, it was fantastic i'm really i'm really really excited about that one that's cool yeah yeah, I've mentioned it on the show before that there's a very similar buildup with the way a scary scene in a comedic scene is structured. Yeah. I would say horror, comedy, and porn. Yeah. <laughs> it, you spend the, the yeah. whole scene building up for the payoff at the end. Yes. And <laughs> so, you know, your, your comedy, you're setting something up for the big laugh to end the scene. And the horror movie, you're building up suspense, suspense, suspense for something scary to happen. 
And you use your imagination for the third example, but you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you, yeah, 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 yeah. If, if, if the, if these equal this, then, you know, if yeah. math is correct, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so they're very, very similar in, yeah. in structure. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So it was, um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was fun to, it was fun to work in that capacity because, um, you know, like I said, the shift into narrative for me was really where I want to be. And the two things leading up to that were, were horror. It was the woodsman and then, and then ouchie, uh, which is also a kind of on the same trajectory as don't forget to leave and always on. It's going to be out, uh, doing a festival run and, um, I'm really excited about that one too. That was also working with a really close friend from Syracuse, um, which was fun. Uh, Jeanette wall was, uh, the writer. Uh, she was, um, she is one of my best friends, but back in Syracuse, she was my co-general manager at the college radio station. Wow. Uh, and she, you know, we've, we've stayed so close ever since. And, um, and she, she wrote her first, her, her first screenplay and we made it happen. And, and that's going to be coming out, uh, two in 2024. There's kind of a lot coming out. Wow. And <laughs> on top of all of this, you also run a podcast as well. Where do you find the time? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I rely on grandparents to come watch my son, uh, and then try to, try to do as much as I can in a, in a four hour window. Uh, that's my time. Uh, but no, I, uh, the, the podcast that I'm on is called horror movie night. Uh, it's on the geekscape network. Uh, it was founded by, uh, Matt Kelly and Scott Roger, who, are great friends of mine uh, then and now uh, through the podcast. Um, I used to come on and guest often. Matt was one of the first people who reviewed Phantasm. Uh, so we've known each other uh, all the way back then. And they needed a third host at some point in time. And I agreed. And I agreed at the right time because... Uh, you know, I had had my, I had had my son. I needed to figure out how I needed to figure re, like refigure out how to watch movies, you know, how to make time to watch movies, <laughs> you know, right. it's so important for our craft to continue to watch and learn. And also like great for myself. That's also, it's not only is it my craft, but it's also like my self care, right? Like right. to sit and watch something. So are these deep dyes? Is that what the, the format of the show is? So so Horror Movie Night will take uh, a movie 10 years or older and we'll all watch it. We'll it's we kind of we call it like a comedy, like a comedy horror review podcast because we we really just take everything pretty lightly. I think I think I might be the most analytical of the group. And sometimes that also gets just as much of a laugh because we might be analyzing something as absurd as like a movie called Kathy's Curse, which is just like a really bad 70s possession movie. But we all I picked it. We all watched it. <laughs> we just, you know, we talked about it. But we also get into like, you know, we'll we'll pick what we double feature it with. We'll um, we'll end up uh you know talking about what we've watched or what we've been reading or you know it's very it's very casual um but it's a lot of fun too and it gives me it kind of gives me homework it gives me like i gotta watch two movies a week and it, like it gets me to sit down and watch them um good or bad i always take something away from it and it's always fun uh yeah so. we do we do a lot of deep dives on on, on this podcast and mm -hmm. it's really made me enjoy these movies even more yeah, just really trying to analyze them. You know, sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'm not really analyzing it, but I'm still enjoying it. And then yeah. but when I'll when I'll watch it again with the purpose of discussing on the podcast, some movies that I love even go even higher on my list. I was like, wow, yes. this movie is even better than I thought it was. Absolutely. And we've we I, I you know, I, that's why I kind of like doing uh, a podcast and I'll, I like I'll always say yes. If somebody wants to chat on theirs, like it's not just about, um, you know, for me, it's as cool as it is to talk about filmmaking. It's also just so cool. Like, I, I mean, again, not to uh, allude to the, what 
the listeners can't see, but I see your your Halloween Curse of Michael Myers poster in the background. Like that movie, especially when the they movie. you have a whole shrine. Oh, I didn't see it behind your shoulder. At the VHS. So how stoked were you when the producers cut like came out on Blu-ray? Like, I mean, like that was like a long lost cut. Was the or that cut was like a long lost cut? And I remember people like freaking out when it came back out. You know, in a in a high quality. I bought it on VHS on bootleg like in 98 i was so excited you know i wrote a check and i sent it in and this thing came like eight weeks later and i popped it in my i was in college and my roommate's vcr Mm -hmm. ate the tape right away like oh my god i I was so close to watching this freaking movie and they're laughing i'm like don't laugh you have no idea how upsetting this is Oh my God, that's devastating. <laughs> so then I didn't see it for, I can't remember when I finally watched it. It was a few years after that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I have the um, the the 4K Blu-ray. I mean, magic. It's magic. <laughs> Dude. But yeah, it was interesting. This was one of the first horror movies I saw in the theaters. So it, right? it has like yeah. a special place in my heart. That's great. So I have that's a little great. shrine. I love that. I love that. No, I love it. I love a deep dive. I love a new discovery. I love hearing about, you know, particularly like these hosts that I I shared the podcast with, you know, hearing their experiences of a of a movie that, you know, I only have a singular experience with. But then hearing somebody else be like, exactly like I saw this in the theater or um, I rented this, you know, five times one week because I just couldn't get enough of watching it or like. Or this movie really scared me. You know, there's there's stuff like that, that that we get to chat about. And then also like, you know, talking with our listeners or um, our, you know, uh, our, our Patreon, whatever. Like we just get to we get to chat about that and have a small community of it, too. So it's it's really a lot of fun. It's been it's been really cool for me to to jump into something that already exists. Right. Like to to be part of that now and to be welcomed into that even when I go on stupid analytical rants about movies that don't need to have analytical rants. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you there, there's different layers to movies and mm-hmm. they could be so personal to somebody. Like there are certain movies that I watched that I know aren't considered good, but mm-hmm. sometimes they'll watch certain things in your life either with somebody that's no longer with us or me- with somebody that was special to you at that point in your life and you've since kind of parted ways. But sometimes watching these movies will time travel you back to when you first watched it. Yes. Yeah. And that's one thing that that's why I never if someone says they like a movie and I didn't like it, I never try to convince them otherwise. That's a pet peeve of mine yeah, when I say, yeah. oh, yeah, I liked Halloween Kills. Why would you like that piece of shit? You know, but I'm sorry I liked it. OK, if you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. You I know? think it's so easy to fall into that trap of being like, what do you mean? And, you know, I'll do that, but I'll never. I don't think I hope not. I mean, don't go back and listen to Horror Movie Night and see if I've done <laughs> that to anybody. But my my intention is not to shame anybody yeah. for, for liking a certain thing, because I mean, because, yeah. And, and, you know, I know that critically my tastes might be questionable, but you're right. The experience of such and like the, you know, everything is, everything is different. Like it's not just a critical experience. It's uh, movies are different. Movies Mm -hmm. have movies uh, have a different weight that they carry with them for people's experiences. Yeah. One of my favorite deep dives that we did, we did um, the three black Christmas movies a couple months ago. Oh and my gosh. Yes. Pair and contrast. And my co-host loved 2019, which I hated. Mm-hmm. And I, I like 2006. I don't say I loved it, but I like 2006 and she hated it. Yeah. We were able to discuss it without crapping on each other's enjoyment. You know what nice. I mean? Cause yeah. that's the thing I, I would hate if someone actually enjoys something, who am I to tell them it's no good that They're you shouldn't wrong, enjoy right? it. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. It doesn't yeah. bother me. Right. I'm glad right. I'm glad you enjoy this movie that I hate, but yeah. I'm not yeah. going to convince you otherwise because I don't want yeah. to. I want you to I really want you to enjoy this experience. I'm glad that you enjoy it. Yeah. That's yeah. The way I, no, I feel it. like any 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 sort of jabs or pokes that we do to each other for not enjoying things is is certainly not to change anybody's mind. You know, it's certainly to take their enjoyment out of it. You know, it yeah. it is merely for Merely for the enjoyment of listeners. Uh, but no, I don't want to change anybody, anybody's mind. Um, you know, I, everybody's experience is different. Because also it's like you might be watching it 
with a group of friends and that changes your entire experience of it. Or you might true, you know, for the scarier things, you might be at home alone watching it. Like it could scare the hell out of you. You know, you have no idea. You have no idea people's experiences and you don't want to necessarily take that away from them. I love that. I love that attitude because not a lot of people take that attitude <laughs> yeah. towards things. Sometimes, you know, I'll give a, a, a gasp when I hear something. If, if someone has Halloween ends at number two, that's just your reflex. That's like if a doctor hits yeah. your knee, that's not, that's, you can't, you can't be blamed for that. That's it's just your reflex. body. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Sometimes you're like, what? But then, mm -hmm. okay. I understand. I, I understand. Sometimes I can understand why somebody would like, a movie that I hate, but I don't need to yeah. agree with it. I, but I understand why you would like it. That's the way I yeah. look at it. Yeah. So I love that. That's why it's, it's so fun to discuss movies because yes, you can discuss a movie with a hundred different people and have a hundred different discussions. That's right. That's, That's right. You really could. It. You really yeah. could. You know, yeah. even the most acclaimed movie, you're going to have different experiences from, from everybody. And it's, it's, it's the best. Yeah. The best. Like to this day. And I know people are going to be like, What? I have never finished Lord of the Rings, and I've tried several times. It's just not my cup of tea. Doug, See, I know. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Oh, you are? I, okay. I've not, I've, not I, I've not finished it either, and I think people don't like me because of it. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure people are tuning out right now. As soon as right, they've, they've turned it off. They are done. They are like, what is, is Two Towers the last one? That's even worse. I don't even know the last. It's... Two Towers, right? Two Towers was the second one. And the third one is Return, Return of, of the, the King. King. Yeah, see, I don't I don't know. And yeah. I didn't and then don't even ask me about any of the Hobbit movie. I don't know. You know what I mean? Oh, I, like, I, I, I couldn't even guess. No, I <laughs> I could but I like Legend of Zelda and but that's based upon Lord of the Rings. I yeah, like so I, mean, I like that's... that genre, but for that movie, I don't know what it is. I just cannot. I've tried several times. And I think yeah. a few years ago. I finally said, you know what? I've tried and I just can't get That's into it. It's just not going to. I mean, there might be a circumstance down the road. My, my son grows up. He wants to watch them. You know, like something like that could sway me. I can't imagine on my own free time <laughs> that I'm going to sit and watch them. I, I, and I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure they're great movies. People have uh, an affinity for them. It's beyond my reach now. <laughs> yeah, you know, we tried. We we gave it the good fight, you know. Oh, I but... think we gave it the old college try. I don't think that we, you know, I don't think anybody can tell us that we didn't. It yeah. just um, <laughs> we just didn't. Yeah, more bandwidth for someone else to download it and enjoy. It. I, I don't want right. to bog down your internet. So, <laughs> 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 all right. Well, we are on the next part of our show. It is. Are 13 questions. Play it on me. Are you familiar with 13 questions? I know, but I'm ready to go. So what it is, it's 13 questions that they could be about anything. And this is all your opinion. Okay. No wrong answers here. It's whatever okay. you think. Great. Here we are. 13 questions with Kyle Kukta. Question number one. Favorite cereal. Oh, I I was always a Cocoa Pebbles guy. Still am. Though Raisin Bran Crunch is a close second. As an adult, Raisin Bran Crunch. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know there was a new Raisin Bran. I just know the original. Yeah. No, get the crunch. You got the granola bits in there. It's fantastic. Nice. Favorite fast food restaurant? Oh, Wendy's. Twizzlers or Red Vines? Twizzlers. Favorite all-time TV show? Oh, wow. Um, uh, the Office, U.S. version. Favorite all-time movie? Oh, I always say Blue Velvet. So I'm going to stick with it. Great. Favorite filmmaker? Um, John Carpenter. Favorite music group? Sonic Youth. Best horror remake? John Carpenter's The Thing. Wow. Two Carpenters so far in our 
13 questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We actually just, we just finished a Patreon episode for horror movie night where we talked about the best remakes. And I, I almost, I almost put Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead as mm. number one. And, but that's a, oh yeah it's so funny and my brain is swirling with remakes right now so i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna stick with the thing this this was good timing yeah i can yeah, really i can see that i can definitely see the argument for dawn of the dead i i think that people might not accept that answer but i also think that it really changed the game for a lot of people a lot of filmmakers and a lot of horror like a lot of horror genre so it's like i yeah yeah and then also there's cronenberg's the fly i'm gonna i'm staying with the thing (laughs) next question favorite film villain favorite film villain Ooh. You know, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs is always one that I like reference a lot. Uh, so I'm going to go with Buffalo Bill. Excellent. If you could remake any movie of your choice, what would it be? Tourist Trap. If you weren't a filmmaker, what would you be? Um, if I wasn't a filmmaker, what would I be? Uh, I'd be a teacher. Like a like a like a elementary school teacher probably or you could be a film teacher could be a film teacher you could i could combine the these worlds yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a film professor uh no i'd be a teacher probably okay best advice you've ever received best advice i've ever received um It's going to be, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the best advice I ever received is. I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of people in my corner and a lot of support through my life. Um, so it wouldn't be advice. It would just be like the consistency of, of people in my corner has been the best advice. Yeah. It's more of just like support than advice, but just just people in my corner. Great. Having the right people around you is um, an invaluable mm-hmm. ingredient to whatever, to be successful. Yeah. You have yeah. the right people around you for sure. Yeah. The one thing you wish you knew at the beginning of your film career. Um, that you don't have to please everyone. Uh, both like audience as well as creative partners like you don't have to please everyone right yes someone is going to dislike whatever we do yeah like with lord of the rings hey they <laughs> entertain millions but not you or me but not us not so, us but that's okay you know, That's you don't okay. have to please everyone. No, Peter Jackson knew he didn't need to worry about us. These two <laughs> assholes in Connecticut. <laughs> don't worry about them. They're going to be fine. Oh, well, that, was, <laughs> that was it. That was 13 questions. Cool. So unfortunately, this brings us to the end of our podcast. So tell us where we can find you on the social medias. Yeah, man. Um, you can find me uh on instagram i mostly use that uh at krkukta that's k-u-c-h-t-a my website is kylecookta.com i still use uh and by still use i mean i i I use a newsletter i send out a newsletter wow and like a actual print newsletter uh email but yeah yeah like i still send out like a an email newsletter uh every once in a while when there's enough stuff to to send out a newsletter about and that, yeah, so kylecookta.com and at krcookta on Instagram um, is the best place are the best places to find me. Awesome. And then also Horror Movie Night uh, podcast uh, on, on Geekscape Network. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, searching Horror Movie Night is difficult, so make sure you add podcast at the end of it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, take, take a listen to that for sure. Well, it's been a real pleasure you having you on the Scared Sip Horror Podcast, Kyle. 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, looking forward to seeing all your upcoming movies. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Scared Sif Horror Podcast. Check out our previous episodes for more interviews with a variety of talented people working in the genre that we love. Follow us on Instagram at scared underscore stiff underscore films for behind the scenes photos and videos of our productions. Check back next week for a brand new episode of the show. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.